Let's go to the book of uh, Philippians. Let's go to the book of Philippians. And I forgot to bring my iPad, and it's coming. We're going through this series in the book of Philippians. And I tell you what, Philippians is a wonderful, encouraging book. Very good book, very encouraging for any Christian of any age. The book of Philippians. I mean, one of the things that really encouraged me about Philippians is that where Paul was when the book was written. And when he writes this to encouraging a church, and here he is in jail, encouraging somebody outside of jail. That is amazing, the way Paul uh, did this. And I've, of course, in this, this book, by encouraging Christians through the ages, even to today, every time I read them, it encouraged my heart in my walk with the Lord. And uh, let me get my study here, and there it goes. Let's go look at Philippians chapter 2. We continue our journey through Philippians, and look at verse 5, all the way to verse 11. And it says here, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it no robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also had highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful passage of Scripture. How encouraging it is to hear those words of Scripture. I pray tonight, Lord, for my Christian brothers and sisters tonight, Lord, that we encourage one another in the Lord, especially in a passage like this. And I pray, Lord, for those who are following us on social media tonight, whatever part of the world they may be, I pray for them as well. If there's someone there that never truly received Jesus as Savior, May today they understand it's not about religion, it's not about name written somewhere and baptized, it's about Jesus and Jesus alone. I pray for them tonight, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So tonight we're going to, the title of the message is Learning from Jesus. Oh folks, there's many things we can learn from Jesus, isn't it? Uh, many things, if you go through the Gospels, we can, one thing, one thing I love about the Gospels is this. If you look at the Gospels, Jesus was extremely simple in his teachings. He, he was so simple in his teachings. To, to, why, why, why is that? Because to, just to reach the very common man. And he uses some analogies. It's like, like for the common day, the, the working people could get it. He talked about, about fishes. The fishermen understood. He talked about sheep. Uh, the shepherds, they understood that. I mean, things are very common, but very Practical. I think I like message. You are practical. You know something that I can grasp. I can understand and say I can do that. You know, and I like. I, I don't believe me. Uh, listen, I, I took Greek. I took all these things in class. But I tell you, I'm not the kind of preacher that I want to give you a message. You can go to the dictionary when you leave. I thought, where in the world was that word? I, you know what? I don't. I don't want to go there. I can go there, but I don't want. I want to be simple, practical, and simple. I think our Jesus is the same way. Believe me, I've been in those, those messages, and I'm not discrediting those people that do those things. God works different ways. But I tell you, I've been in some 
places sometimes, her message, I'm like, all right, I need to, what does that word mean? I need a dictionary. Oh, you know what? You, you, to me, I miss out the whole thing because my consumed try to figure something else. But again, every message fits everywhere. All right? Sometimes the audience, that's what they need. Sometimes the audience lives a more simple way. But tonight, let's be practical, okay? So, we have been learning this, this series called Press On together. And tonight, we come to the very heart of the book of Philippians, okay? These verses before us display the very heart of God as revealed to us in the Gospels. So, some people believe this, this may even be an early hymn, these, these verses that we been talking here that we just read, that the church sang together, but either way, it is one of the most beautiful, I think, passage in all scripture, full of deep teaching about Jesus our Lord, but also filled with rich application for us to follow uh, as followers of Jesus. So what does it mean to, uh, to humble yourself? Oh, it's very practical, isn't it? You know what humbleness is. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, James 4.10. And he who humbles himself will be exalted, Luke 14.11. So what does it mean to truly humble yourself? You know what it means? It means life is not about you, it's about him. That's humbleness because we, wanna, we, wanna, we say this way, my way, I feel, I need, I want. And God says, Humbleness is like this. It's not your wants, my want. That's something that we struggle with. I deserve. I want. Me first. But listen, folks, that's humanity thinking. That's the way our mind thinking, thinks. But when human, uh, humbleness is like, Lord, it's about you now, not about me. I die to self. By the way, the Bible says we are crucified with Christ. You know what that mean, word means? You die that day to self. Self has no more power over you, but now you belong to Him. Okay? So, so in this passage from Philippians, Jesus shows us that what true humility is and how far humility will go. So as we know, in our last study, Paul had just encouraged the Philippians to practice true Christian fellowship. We talk about this. That is shaped by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he brings the message home by showing how much Christ did for us and how far Christ went with this gospel. He says that our attitude should be the same as of Jesus who demonstrates such humbleness and obedience to a point that he did give us life for all of us. So this passage traces the incredible journey of our Lord Jesus from the glories of heaven to the horrors of the cross and then back to glory again. It is the most amazing display of humbleness, obedience, ever witnessed to, to, in heaven or on earth. And God calls us to model Jesus with our lives. Can you imagine that? He died on the cross and the, the Bible says, you ought to die to yourself. And that's something that a lot of us are not willing to do. Okay, so let's look at this from several points tonight, okay? So number one, we see the mind of Jesus. Look what it says in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see what Paul is saying here? You see, so let us begin in verse 5. This brings us back to Paul's words in chapter 1. He says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
So there is such, uh, such, uh, 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 so much wrapped in this brief little statement right here. But here, verse five, we see that what it means not only to live for Christ, but how to live with Christ later. But we also, are, uh, but we are also to live like Christ. Wow. God wants us to a point, right here Paul says, to a point that when people see us, we are a picture that resemble our Savior. I'm not there yet, folks. And I don't think none of us are there yet. But that's what the Christian life is all about. is to be more and more like Christ. To reflect Him. So the Bible says that we are to be Christ-like. Look what it says in Romans 8.29. For whom he did foreknow, don't get stuck in that word, okay? He also did predestinate to be what? Conformed to the image of whom? His son. So that is the good work that God began in you and is carrying on to completion. So we are called to be like Jesus and we are especially called to be like Jesus in, in the humble obedience as displayed in the gospel. So the phrase, let us mind be in you means to think or direct your mind in a certain direction. So God is directing you to allow the mind of Christ as revealed in the, in the gospel to form and shape you in a relationship with each other. So God wants work in you and through you to a point that you resemble the Lord Jesus. Same for me. I'll give you the story. I'm going to give you the, so you can understand this in a more practical way. I shared this here before. I was a story about this young lady that was her mother take her to a a little park in Italy, and they went to the park and they were walking in the park, and this little girl got amazed and stopped as she looked at a beautiful statue of a, a young lady, all well dressed, well combed with her hair, beautiful figure of this lady, and she was so impressed. Every day she asked mom to take her to the park, and every day she would go and gaze at that statue. Well, guess what? As the days went by, the little girl began to resemble that statue more and more. She began to fix her hair. She began to dress nicely to a point that if you see the statue, you see the little girl. You follow what I'm saying here? Very practical way. That's the way God wants us to be. And we you know, continue to die to self daily. Folks, let me, by the way, we die to self not just one day, every day. Lord, it's your will, not my will. Every day, Lord, it's your will, not my will. Is that hard to do? Yes, because self wants to do what self wants to do. Right. Get up in the morning. Uh, okay, I'm going to read my, oh, I think I gave up on that today. I, I'll do it tomorrow. You know what? Self says, I don't want to die to self. Because to have the mind of the Lord, we spend time with the Lord. I, I put it this way. The best thing we can do as Christians is to get up with the Lord and go to bed and do the same thing. Spend time with the Lord in the morning end your day with the Lord. Because now we have time to say, Lord, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Please forgive me. Okay, so, number two, the humbleness of Jesus. We see this in verse 6 and verse 8. Uh, in, uh, in letter A, it started at the highest place, equally with God. So first of all, we see that Jesus started at the highest place. We see this in verse 6. Look what it says. I'm sorry. Who being in the form of God, Though it, no robbery to be equal with God. So this verse speaks of Jesus, the, uh, of Jesus' pre-existence as God. So long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem be, long before he created the world, from all eternity, Jesus shed eternity, eternal glory with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, 
Some people have a problem with that. I don't because I believe in the Trinity. Okay? I don't have a problem with that. Some people say, well, Jesus was not God. Oh, well, well, I think they, they are mistaken. But some people say, well, it's all good if we call God as long as we don't put Jesus' name there. Oh, Jesus is the Almighty God. Actually, the Bible says, Emmanuel, God with us. When the Lord Jesus walked on the face of the earth, it was God walking with us. And I don't know how people miss that out, but that's what the Bible teaches. So, Jesus had always existed as God, and, and he, in his very nature, in his very nature, he is God, he's equal with God the Father. So, you can't start, uh, uh, can start any higher than that. And yet, at this, uh, uh, at this amazing part, he did not consider equally with God something to be grasped here. The word grasp means to size something for yourself. So Jesus was God, but he did not use his position for his own self-advantage here. This, uh, this goes together with Philippians chapter 2. And look what it says, Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through vain to strive or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem, uh, uh, esteem each other better than themselves. So once again, Jesus is setting the supreme example here. Uh, here. He did not even use this position as God uh, for self selfish purpose, but rather to serve. When Jesus came, what did he do? He came as what? A servant. And to the cross he went. You know, even he said, he said to the disciples, hey, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter said, what? You're not going to wash my feet. And when Jesus said, if you I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Lord, I wash me all over. You know, when Jesus showed show an example, then he came as a servant. Now, can you imagine that? Just think about it. The God of all creation, the God who sustains everything, the God who created you and me, put himself in such a humble state. To a point of getting a thing of water and washing his creation. I think, I think Peter understood that. So how could you wash my feet? I'm the one who should be washing your feet. I don't think Peter said that in the wrong way. But he understood. When Jesus said, I came as a servant. I, you know, and he, he, he got it right away. What example of humbleness. And that's the way God wants us to be. Listen. Church should never be how can... How can people serve me? Should be, how can I serve the Lord? Amen. And we serve others. We serve the Lord by serving others. Right. It's, a, it's a very practical way. We serve the Lord by serving others. So let it be, you see, he travailed to the lowest place. Look at verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation. Jesus started the higher, highest place, and then he traveled to the lowest place. Verse 7 it said, made of no reputation. The phrase literally means that Jesus emptied himself. He put himself out in love for you and me in a humble obedience to the Father. He started the highest place in heaven. He was equally with God, with all the rights and privileges as God. And he made himself of no reputation. He took a form of, of a man. He gave up all those rights and privileges in coming to earth as a, as a, to be our Savior. In our last study, we spoke about those who act out in a vain conceit of empty glory. Uh, remember, we talked about this. Here we see Jesus, the Son of God, emptying himself, laying aside his glory, and taking on himself the form of a man so that he could pay for our sins. So Jesus started in the highest place. He left heaven's glory. He traveled to the lowest place. He came to earth. And in verse 7 and verse 8, we can trace the four downward steps Jesus took in 
<coughs> sorry, in his journey of humble obedience to the Father. Number one, he became a servant. Luke says he took, he took upon himself, upon him, a form of a servant. Verse 7. Can you imagine that? I just elaborate a little bit on that, but can you imagine that? Then the creator of all things put himself as a servant. It's hard for us to grasp, folks. Jesus took the attitude of a servant or a slave, and he said to the Father, Not my will, but your will. We just saw in verse 6 that Jesus is in the very nature of God. How, now we see that he took the form of a servant. It doesn't mean that Jesus stopped being God. Actually, the Bible says to us that he is our Emmanuel, God with us. He never stopped. He just hid in the form of a man what he was really, what he really was. Jesus came to this earth for the purpose of living and dying for others. This whole life was his whole life was consumed with, with ministering to the needs of those around him. No one, no one moment uh, was ever lived selfishly. When somebody asked him, he did. He was tired. Somebody, he came. He did all. We can't do that. I'm sorry. We can't do that. Somebody calls you at three in the morning and you're still sleeping. He goes, "Can you call me at seven? You're just exhausted. Isn't that a reality? That's the reality. But no, the Lord himself, he, he, he came and he was not selfish at all. He came as a servant and he served. The sick came, he got to them. Those who need salvation came, he got to them. Those who were demon possessed, they came, he got to them. The Pharisees came and accused him. He didn't walk away. He talked to them. So he was there as a servant. He, was, he kept on going. And he went, finally he went to the cross. So he could give you salvation to you and me. So, Jesus came to earth for the purpose of living and then dying for others. Paul pays the ultimate compliment to Christ in Romans 5, uh, chapter 15, verse 3. He says, for even Christ pleased not himself. There was never a need in the presence of Christ that he did not do anything in his power to meet. So, he didn't ma it didn't matter if that, that need was knocking on, the, on his door in the middle of the, of the night or, or walking towards him, somebody walking towards him, he kept going on. He never considered himself but humble himself and serve. I'll tell you what, I still believe today that the best, happy, joyful life is a life that is, that is better to give than to receive. Because when you give, you see the joy in somebody's face. Do you ever see that? Hey, I got something for you. You can see that smile. Many people say, oh, you didn't have to. But you can see that that's a joyful word. Oh, you didn't have to. You know, I mean, I really don't deserve this. Well, we don't. I mean, it's a gift. We don't deserve But it warms your heart, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't like it. Don't tell me you don't like a gift. Because if you say, no, I'm going to give you a gift. <laughs> but, I mean, everybody likes a gift. It is a wonderful thing. It warms our hearts. And I tell you what, same thing here with the Lord. He never considered himself, but humbled himself and served. Number two, he became human. Think about it. There are some of the, 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 these are the some of the most amazing words of all scripture. Think of it. He was God in the, he was God in the flesh. He was, it, was not, uh, it was not a blasphemy for Jesus to claim that he was God, for indeed he was God. Yet Jesus Christ spent his entire earth time making himself of no reputation. That sure is different from the corporate ladder, climbing, resume paddings, 
glamour building and culture of the 12th, 21st century. Jesus is described as a meek and lowly in heart. He even says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, right. humility really is to uh, do it yourself project, so to speak. Look what it says here in verse 7. He, made, he was made in the likeness of man. Here we have the incarnation here. Jesus humbled himself by becoming a human being. In Genesis 1 is interesting. Uh, man was, was created in the likeness of God. Here we find God being made in the likeness of man. You see that? Let me repeat that. In Genesis 1, man was created in the likeness of God. Here we find God being made in the likeness of man. Look what it says, and being found in fashion as a man, verse 8. The invisible God became visible. He, he And we'll say, what is he saying? <laughs> so he was truly God and truly man. Number three, he became obedient to that. Verse eight. Verse eight says, being found, uh, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto that, even the death of the cross. So, <coughs> to humble yourself means to make yourself low. This verse shows how Jesus was willing to go. Uh, uh, far Jesus was willing to go. He became obedient unto that. So. Have you, have you ever been obedient unto that? No, you're not. Because if you were, you would not be alive today. You'd be dead. Okay? So, so he get, <laughs> this does not mean that Jesus was just obedient uh, up until the time of, of dying. He literally died. That's something that some folks out there don't believe. Oh, yeah, he was crucified. He was put in the tomb. He kicked that, that rock out and he walked right out. And he got married and all that. That's a bunch of baloney. If you really look in detail what happened to Jesus all the way to Calvary's cross, it is a miracle that he was still alive when he went to that cross. Amen. He's talking about how the Romans really latched those, those things on him. We see the little Jesus, the Jesus on these crosses that I have out there. Like, you know, that was not that. The Bible says you can't even recognize him. That's how brutally beaten he was. As it is a miracle that he survived that whole beating and went to the cross of Calvary. Can you imagine? He was beat that way, and they made him walk with the cross on top of him all the got this way all the way to Calvary. Well, I know somebody helped him along the way, but anyway. He lost so much blood. It is amazing that he, he was able even to survive that. But he did. And he died on that cross for you and me. You see, number four, he suffered the humiliation of the cross, verse 8. 
Jesus became a servant. He became a, a human being. He became obedient to death. And finally, he suffered the humiliation of the cross. Look what it says in verse 8. Even the death of the cross. Dying on the cross was the most, listen folks, humiliating and painful death of all. The cross in Jesus' day was not a decoration or a piece of jewelry. You know what? People wear their necks. People wear all over the place. But I tell you what. If people really understand the cross is a place of total humiliation. Right. And our Lord was crucified on that cross. See, the, the world, the word itself was a void in political conversations in those days. The Romans hated those who died on the cross. The Jews considered them cursed. Sincero called the cross a most cruel and disgusting punishment. To die on the cross was the most shameful, cruel, despised death of all, he says. But for Jesus, was even worse because it was, it was on the cross that Jesus suffered the wrath of the Father and paid the full penalty for our sins. It was in that cross that he was, God the Father turned his back on him and the world turned his back on God and he, was, he died alone for you and me. The mankind was spitting on him and saying, if you God, if you this and that, come out of that cross. I am so thankful that he did not. And God the Father could not see the, the sins of his son. He turned his back on his son. Jesus died alone. Notice the cross was Jesus' destination all along. All the other steps down the ladder were simply necessary steps to get him there to that cross. The cross was in the heart of Jesus' mission. And he knew that's where he was going to go. He was going to that cross. That was his mission. Apart from Jesus' death, uh, uh, death for us on the cross, there would be no salvation. Apart from Jesus' death on the cross, there would be no hope of eternal life. Jesus had traveled from the highest place of heaven to the lowest place of earth and ultimately was nailed to a cross. There was no place lower than and the Son of God could go. He went to the cross of Calvary for you and me. And I tell you what, I am grateful for what Jesus did. I'm grateful for my salvation. Amen. I am forever grateful. You know, to know that if I die today, I'm going to heaven to be with Him is the greatest hope that human heart can have. It really is. I mean, people can accomplish all kinds of things in this world. But if they die without Christ, it's all wasted away. Always it away. You can have money that more than anybody else. You can have everything life can give you and die and go to hell. So, number three, let's look at number three the glorious exaltation of Jesus. Fortunately, the gospel does not end there. And praise the Lord for that. And for that we say amen. Praise the Lord that Jesus didn't stay in the grave like every leader of every religion known to mankind. Praise the Lord that the grave is empty because Jesus arose, arose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. I'll tell you what, I don't care what people say. I don't get, you know what, I believe in a word of God. That's what I believe. People come with this kind of nonsense, you know, oh, we want to need to find his body, his body somewhere. You know what, you got to find anything because he arose from the dead. He's alive forevermore. You don't find anything. It's amazing what people say. Oh, why can't you believe in that book? Oh, yeah, I do. The old Bible. Yes, I believe. Right here. It's the word of the living God, isn't it? I say, how could you not believe in the word of the living God? See, sometimes you got to turn the thing around. 
People say, how could you believe that? And you say, how could you not believe this? What, what do you want me to believe besides this? What is there to believe? Some guy that started this religion thing and then is dead in a grave? Oh, I take my things with, with the Lord. He rose from the dead. So the glories of his exaltation, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, death and resurrection. Listen, folks, at Easter time, I don't like that word Easter, but anyway, that's what people know. But anyway, it's we don't celebrate Bugs Bunny. We celebrate the great Savior. Amen. I mean, you know, if you see him on the road, beep to him and stuff, but don't believe that's all about him. Easter is about our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. He rose from the dead. Actually, every Sunday, we celebrate him. Amen. The great Savior, isn't it? So the gospel, the good news that Jesus, of Jesus, is the good news of Jesus' dead and resurrection. God did not leave Jesus in the grave, but raise him from the dead and exalt him to the highest place. So the word here for in verse 9 is a wonderful word. It is a transition word right here. Actually, look at the, in our chapter there, verse 9. Look what it says. Wherefore. He so he described all that from all the way from verse 1. When I get to verse 9, it says, Wherefore God also had a highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. You see that? He went from the highest place to the lowest place and back to the highest place. Right. Talking, about, talking about victory right here. Okay, the glorious exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let A, God the Father exalted Jesus to the highest place, verse 9. Wherefore, that's a transitional word right there. God also had uh, uh, highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every single name. So the reason I'm saying God the Father is because, like I said, I'm a believer in the Trinity. And let me tell you this way, stick with your KJV Bible. You say, where in the world? Because you're going to see the nouns and pronouns here. Otherwise, you're going to miss it out. All right, getting any translation that you want out there and take the KJV away from you, you're going to miss the nouns and pronouns. And the nouns and pronouns are very important in the Bible. Because without them, you're going to miss the Trinity. Well, if you look for the Trinity, you know, you're not going to find the words. But you're going to find the person of the Holy Spirit. You're going, to, you're going to find the person of the Father. You're going to find the Son all together. They say, why the KJV Bible? Let me tell you this. Because it's the closest translation to your original writings. That's, right. That's it. If it was to defend one, I would tell you so. Many translations out there, I would tell you so. So God the Father exalted Jesus to the highest place right here. So. I don't, uh, can you see the Trinity all over your Bible? I believe you can, even though you don't see the word, like I said. So let's take a look at, at this section phrase by phrase right here. First of all, verse 9. Wherefore, God also exalted him, uh, highly exalted him. Notice the change of the subject right here. God also had highly exalted him. Okay, Jesus humbled himself, but God exalted him. See the Father? When he says God, he's talking about God the Father, exalted him who? God the Son. Do you follow that? So the journey down, down was all the things that Jesus did, but the journey back up is all the things that God the Father did. Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. It is always him with humility and exaltation. Get, uh, you, got, you got your choice here, okay? So you can do the... You, you, can't do the humbling and let God do the exalting. Or you can do the exalting and let God do the humbling. Okay? Let me explain myself here. Okay? 
You can do the humbling and let God do the exalting. You humble yourself and God exalts you. Or you can do the exalting yourself proudly, okay, and God will humble you. <laughs> you can follow that? Okay, so notice that, that God exalted him to the highest place. That's the same word used in Psalm 97.9 where it says, For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted above all gods. Little g, gods. Jesus humbled himself to the lowest place, and God exalted him to the highest place. There is no one and, and, and no thing higher than Jesus Christ. God the Father exalted God the Son to the highest place, and Jesus is above all things. Let it be, we see God the Father give Jesus a name that is above every name. Look at verse 9. And give him a name which is above every name. You know, folks... People in this world have a problem with the name of Jesus. Today we say, oh, I love God, I love God. When you say, I love Jesus, is a problem. I had a conversation with a young Muslim kid that used to work with me. He dressed all traditional, and I didn't try to provoke him at all. He said, oh, praise God, and I said, oh, praise Jesus. Oh, he got mad at me. Because I knew he was not invoking the name of my God, it was his God. When I said Jesus, he did not like that. He said, oh, no, 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 Jesus. I said, no, 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 not yours either. <laughs> it was an interesting conversation. We were all alone together. <laughs> it was an interesting thing. So, although we, we often think of Jesus as being the name above all names, it's likely that the name means here is actually the name Lord. Okay? Jesus was named uh, Jesus, was named Jesus at his birth. But at his exaltation, he's given the name Lord, as the Apostle Peter put it. Actually, go to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. <coughs> I want you to see this. Acts 2, 36. You don't want to miss this one. All right, you there? Okay, look what it says. And it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that the same Jesus whom he have crucified, both Lord and Christ. You see there? Peter is very clear there. Actually, Isaiah says this way, Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. In my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. All right, what Jesus fit on this one. God the Father who refused to share his name or his glory with any other, exalts Jesus to the highest place and makes him Lord of all. That all may honor that that all people may honor the Lord just as they uh, as they honor the Lord the, uh, honor the Father. We see just in, this in John chapter five verse twenty three. Actually, go to John chapter five verse twenty three. I want you to see something there. You see how God the Father and God the Son are co-equal right here. Look what it says. Look what it says there in John chapter five verse twenty three. All right, that all men look what it says shall honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honor the Son, honor, uh, I'm sorry, honor not the Son, honor not the Father which had sent him. You see, it's clear what, what Jesus says here, very clear. So let's go to let, let a number C, uh, let us see. Everyone will confess Jesus as Lord of all. You see this in verse 10 and verse 11. It says, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven or things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of the Father. So thirdly, we learn that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, 
every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Is is actually Paul is really quoting Isaiah chapter forty five verse twenty three. It says this way, I have sworn myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto, I'm sorry, unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Notice Paul says, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This means that all people everywhere will bow and will acknowledge the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and it will bow before him. So the word confess here simply means to acknowledge something openly. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone will be saved at the end of time. Okay? But rather that everyone would acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Okay? You follow what I'm saying here? Acknowledging, even the devil acknowledged God. Doesn't mean the devil is God. The devil is saved. In the, all the, those demonic uh, angels that follow him, they, they, they understand, they, they recognize even Jesus was on, on the earth. doesn't mean they're going to get saved. Listen, it, the people that will bow down and acknowledge Jesus as King and Lord of all, doesn't mean they're going to get saved. They just will acknowledge him. They will bow down and acknowledge him to be the Lord. Amen. But that's not doesn't give them salvation. Okay? Get this, there will, there will not be a, a universal salvation. There will be the universal confession, confession as to who Jesus is. That means that either we repent and confess Jesus by faith as Lord now, or we will confess Jesus in shame and terror and in the last day, but confess Him, we all will. You follow that? We all will. So in short, you can bow before the Lord Jesus now and repent of your sin and confess Him as your Savior. If you don't do now, you will do later in shame. The name of Jesus is the most honorable and the most hated name in the world today. People don't mind if you mention the word God because they can interpret God to be whatever they want God to be in their own minds. But if when you mention Jesus and, and, and who is he claims to be, then you're going to say some people don't like that name. And they're going to retaliate. Those who accept him, they are glad to, to, to when their name is, is bringed up because he's our guide, he's our provider, he's our protector, he's our Lord, he's our friend. But those who love their sin too much to let him into their lives wind up reaching and cursing the very name that they need the most. And today what we do, we see people using a phrase and put Jesus' name in there. Cursing somebody else, put Jesus' name in there. You hear that in a very, I mean, everywhere you go in this world. Name of Jesus is cursed out left and right. It doesn't hurt your heart. I tell you what. Here's the thing. His name is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Let us see. We see the untarnished exaltation. And untarnished exaltation. See the glory to the glory of the Father. Sometimes in life, someone receives glory but really doesn't deserve that honor. As a result, there is resentment, anger, and bitterness towards that individual who claims credit for something he didn't didn't do or didn't deserve. When one uh, uh, when one day every tongue when, when I'm saying one tongue every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord of all is because he deserves to be called Lord of all because that's who he is. He is Lord of all. He's Lord of heaven and earth. He created all. 
Satan is just here for a season, but he will get punished as well. Folks, I read the end of the Bible. We are victorious. I read it. Man, I knew you did too. We have a God that is it's going to, he says to you and me, you know, we win in the end. So don't give up. Don't give in. Keep on going for the Lord. I conclude with this. Let me leave you with three application points tonight and we will be done, okay? Number one, there is no task too small to do for Jesus. No task. When you choose the path of humble obedience as Jesus did, no task is beneath you when you do it out of love and gratitude of heart. Number two, there is no obedience too difficult, too, too difficult that God requires. There's no way for us to say, oh, you know what, God, this is too hard for me. No, no, no. When we are humble enough to follow the Lord, anything is just done out of gratitude of heart. Number three, there's no reward so sweet as that which God gives. Jesus showed the ultimate obedience. He received the ultimate reward. And you can, let me tell you this way, you cannot outgive God. Right. It's so hard to tie. Really? What about the blessings you receive? So he didn't know why. it's hard for us to give, but it's better for us to receive. You follow, you follow that? Isn't that better to give than to receive? Right. I understand some things are, are very, is in a sacrificial way, but I tell you what, I, I tell you this, I don't, I'm not going to talk about tithing. We won't want to finish right here. I've been tithing since I've been saved. You know what? I didn't miss a meal yet. I didn't sleep in the street yet. God's been blessing I think what ultimately, as we finish this message, is this. That we, together, all of us individually, would turn more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. The world needs to see that. We are the children of God by the way we live and behave in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. To know that we serve the God of all creation. To know that we serve a God that willingly...